0: Welcome to Talking Allergies, the podcast where we talk all things allergies about all types of allergies in all kinds of allergy lives.
1: From food allergies to environmental allergies, special guests, community stories, allergy insights, giveaways, and more. This
0: is your allergy
1: podcast for all things allergies. Hi, Melrick. Hi, Grace, and welcome to another episode of Talking Allergies.
0: On this episode, we're talking about mental health and allergies, which is a really important topic.
1: Such an important topic and one that just really needs more attention. And mental health in general has had a lot of attention recently, which is good. Uh, not enough, of course, you can always have more exposure on that. But when it comes to mental health and allergies, it's just something that just doesn't get brought up in general conversations. And especially when you're dealing with things like allergy anxiety or PTSD with uh, allergic reactions. Um, so there's so much to talk about.
0: There really is. Touching on what you just spoke about, allergy anxiety, um, it does have ebbs and flows for me at least um, when we're talking about uh, allergy anxiety probably every day um, or if you've had a recent reaction as well.
1: Yeah, really good point. You know, allergy anxiety, it, it is the focus of what we're going to talk about on this episode it is something that you may be dealing with uh, for your own allergies or you could also be dealing with when you're looking after someone or caring for someone that has allergies. I know I certainly um, sort of experienced it both ways. Um, and today we were going to talk a little bit about our own experience as well, Grace. I'll let you go first because you did start on a story you were about to share.
0: Yeah, particularly when I had an anaphylactic reaction a couple of months ago. Um, I had a reaction to something that I've Never had a reaction to before. Um, and it was a new food that I've never had a reaction to, obviously, previously. Um, and having that reaction meant that I was then anxious around other food after that reaction. So obviously, when you have that reaction, um, the first food that you have, you have to know is absolutely safe. So I had a little bit of food afterwards and I slowly um, ate just a little bit of comfort food afterwards and slowly got into new foods, except even now, a couple of months after, I still won't touch anything with a nut or seed-like texture at all. Um, And I know that that's allergy anxiety because there are foods that I've eaten before that I'm not allergic to at all in the slightest but I physically can't make myself eat it. I just don't want to at the moment and I don't like it. So yeah, that's me at the moment, but that's a little bit of um, allergy anxiety. How about you, Melrick? How have you experienced allergy anxiety?
1: Well, firstly, Grace, thank you for sharing. Um, so that's a, it's unfortunate to go through those circumstances, but it can happen. You know, with allergies especially, sometimes you can prepare yourself as much as possible, but you can, still, you can still have a reaction. Um, for me, growing up, I uh, played a lot of sport and I've got pollen allergies. So playing outdoor sports like cricket and footy, um, Aussie rules <laughs> for those listening in. Um, you know, going to places that, especially outdoor venues, and I grew up sort of countryside a bit. So we'd have a lot of like parks that were in grasslands and so forth and you'd have to be a bit careful And because I had had reactions. So I did have a lot of um, concern and I was worried about sort of letting my teammates down. And now it's sort of growing a bit older, um, you know, going for celebrations with friends and parks and botanical gardens, which are really nice places. But when you've got pollen allergies, you just you don't want to go there and spoil the party. Even if you take medication sometimes, it's not enough when it comes to things like pollen allergies for me anyway. And um and more recently, um, look having friends and family members with little kids that have allergies, you know with them looking after them you know even if you're just doing like a quick babysitting you you sort of worry about what could happen um i had a little kid in my care recently and um they've got a little little food allergy um nothing that i think i couldn't manage but at the same time when i had them with me um i was worried about them the whole time i thought about it what if it's on something that isn't normally it doesn't normally have this ingredient or it doesn't even have to be a food product it could just be like a I don't know, a toy. It could be, uh, I was thinking the couch could have the allergen. I mean, that's where your head goes. I'm not saying the couch has a food allergen in it, but I thought maybe someone's left the allergen in it from previous times and you, you, you don't realise it until you're in it. Thank you so much, Malwick, for sharing.
0: It is really important when looking after a kid that you are looking that you are vigilant in obviously allergies and what's going on, but also looking after your own mental health. I'm positive that those parents were really happy that you were as vigilant as they are with the children's allergy.
1: Oh, look, definitely um, the little things help. And they sent me a few messages and kept me through the night so you'll be all right, right, cause we need and so forth. And that was quite nice. And I think the little things we do can help each other. And it's not just if, for me with the kids. I'm sure other people with been in relationships, partners, friends, Um, colleagues, you know, if you're in school, your classmates and so forth, uni mates, whoever you're looking out for, and if they've got allergies, it's understandable if you are concerned for them. It's a natural thing to go through that. Um, And I'm really excited, Grace, today on the episode we've got a um, special guest, someone who professionally deals with mental health and allergies.
0: Yes, Emma, who is a psychologist who deals with allergies and mental health, and has been a really big advocate for it in Australia. But she's also an allergy mum who obviously knows what it's like to live with allergy anxiety and allergies. But she's lovely, and I can't wait for you to listen to the interview.
1: Well, Grace, I can't wait anymore. Um, Let's tune in. Emma is from the Allergy Support Hub, and here is her interview.
0: Thank you so much, Emma, for joining us on Talking Allergies today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Very much appreciate you coming on. Uh, What we've done is a little bit of an intro for you, but if you would like to introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, so um, my name is Emma Warner. Um, I'm the Principal Psychologist at the Allergy Support Hub, um, and I'm also a mother of a child with severe food allergies.
0: Thank you so much for joining. When did you first learn that your child had allergies?
2: Yeah, so Sam's almost um, 12 now, but um, we actually found out that he was allergic to dairy initially when he was um, about seven months old. Um, I was actually, he was exclusively breastfed and I was um, getting ready to be um, the bridesmaid for a friend's wedding. Uh, so I thought I would give him some formula to try at home to kind of get me through the day and the, the job of being a bridesmaid. And um yeah, unfortunately, uh he started to have a reaction when I gave him the formula at home. Yeah, so 6 yeah, 7 months of age for the dairy allergy and then not long after that we found out that he had an egg allergy as well.
0: That definitely snowballed from the wedding to go through.
2: Yeah, it did um Yeah, so the dairy and the egg allergy we found out under 12 months and then by 14 months um, he also had a number of nut allergies as well. How did your
0: life change day to day from learning from the first allergy to learning about all the other allergies that they had?
2: Yeah, look, it was a huge adjustment. Um, Sam was my firstborn, so I was a first-time mum. Um after we learned about the dairy allergy, um, we did a lot of adjustment in the household. Um, we took dairy completely out of the house. We stopped eating dairy ourselves. Um, and also then with the egg, um, we stopped eating that as well, mainly because he was so small and it was hard to kind of manage um, uh kind of an infant and eating kind of around them um so we just decided that we would um kind of go vegan but still have meat um and yeah so um lots of adjustment around um what we were now feeding him as well so um by 12 months he had to be on um, soy milk he couldn't obviously go to go to milk products um And yeah, just even like going shopping, it was so tricky because now we're just having to read food labels and particularly with the dairy and egg, it's so tricky. There's so many products with with that in it. Um, So just your regular shop um, changed instantly. Um, Yeah, so food prep and uh, shopping were probably the two huge biggest adjustments and then our, our diet as well, although we shifted that over time.
0: As a psychologist specialising in allergies and a mum of a child with allergies, you've got a unique uh, perspective on allergy life and allergy um, lives. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about Allergy Support Hub and what you provide?
2: Yeah, so um, the Allergy Support Hub is um, Perth-based. We've been running for almost five years now. Um, primarily we have two kind of main functions we have a family support service site where we offer um, hub appointments to the community Um, we offer workshops and seminars to families in the past we've done a couple of community events which have been really successful but funding um, based upon funding Um, and then that we've also got the psychological services, and so that, um, you know, addresses um, or provides um, targeted kind of counselling and psychological intervention for um, not only people with food allergies themselves, but also um, their primary caregiver and their family members as well. So, yeah, two parts to it.
0: Touching on um, having allergies, it doesn't obviously just affect the person itself. It's a really big aspect of the person that gives them care and their caregivers. So it's lovely that you uh, provide those services to them as well.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's really essential and that's primarily why we went into it. Um, we wanted to provide... Um, you know, support to the primary caregiver, which is usually the mum, um, and many due to the reasons that I said before about myself, which was that it's such a huge adjustment um, and can take quite um, a toll and a burden um, on that individual. And so ensuring that a mother doesn't have the associated anxiety that then flows down to the child is really important. When did you
0: start Allergy Support Hub?
2: Yeah, so um, it's a good question. Uh, pretty much the idea of supporting families um, came to me almost immediately after Sam's diagnosis. Um, I didn't want um, kind of any mum to go through what I did without appropriate support. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started doing quite a lot of actually literature research um, I've been a psych for a really long time and so it kind of made sense to me that I would try and find an avenue to provide support to to other mums going through what what I did. So I started out um, in private practice um, kind of trying to find that niche and and provide that support. But it wasn't until um, I did a um, local talk um, at a Rotary Club in Cambridge um, here in um, Perth. Uh, to mums um, of children with food allergies, um, and Monique, who you'll be interviewing next week, um, she came to the um, talk and she approached me at the end and she said, oh, look, I'm not really here to, um, to hear the content as such. I actually wanted to meet you. Um, and so, yeah, long story short, we um, connected and we were talking a lot about what we were trying to achieve. Um, she was a psych as well and we started meeting quite regularly we wanted to start um, maybe just some community events and some workshops um, free of course to to the community Uh, and then kind of one night after probably four months of talking we decided that we would just start a charity as you do Um, and so pretty much it's um, snowballed since then and uh, yeah as I said we've been going for for five years quite successfully.
0: Thank you for all of the work that you've done over those five years for people with uh, living with allergies and for their families it's um really lovely. What are the challenges that you've experienced with people with allergies
2: um oh, in terms of what do they face for challenges yeah, yeah. um so look um what we what we address at the hub is um usually around adjustment, so um adjustment to um, integrating the food allergy into your day to day um because it is a huge adjustment depending on how many allergies and also the type of allergy that um, a child or an adult might have um, and so yeah, so we discuss adjustment um particularly with newly diagnosed families and then um as time goes on for people, uh, depending on if they've had a um, severe allergic reaction, um, we address food allergy um, anxiety. Um, yeah. Would you mind describing
0: or discussing what allergy anxiety is?
2: Yeah, so first of all, I think it's really important for people to hear that um, when you have a food allergy, um, vigilance is really important. So we talk a lot at the Hub about. What vigilance is, and vigilance is basically a low level amount of anxiety that is necessary in order to keep you safe. So, we do need to read um, food labels, we need to ensure that we're eating safe food, uh, we are checking ingredients, etc. So, there's kind of these base behaviours that everybody needs to have um, in order to keep themselves safe from an allergic reaction. Um, but, food allergy anxiety kind of uh, is where you've got those kind of restrictive behaviours, but they become uh, more restrictive on your day-to-day life. So, for instance, um, you know, you might be over-checking packaging or you're really restricting your diet to things that you're not actually allergic to and you could be, you just think that you might have an allergic reaction. Um Uh, And in in addition to that, um, we start to see a quality of life impact. So people are then not also socialising or doing those kind of lived activities that that they really should be doing Um, and they can safely, um, but the food allergy anxiety is um, kind of having restriction on their life.
0: You mentioned that having allergies, you have a low level of anxiety or a low level of awareness um, around managing allergies. How do you know when allergy anxiety is severe?
2: Yeah, so um, if we use a um, scale, so 0 to 10, and 10 is highly anxious, and 0 is not anxious at all, um, we kind of tend to see that vigilance is sitting at about a 3. And it's a really... um, it's a really fine window and it's a it's a hard balance um so managing your food allergies is actually a day to day um it's day to day so you have to be doing it every day you have to be vigilant every day to reduce your likelihood of exposure and so we do need to have those those behaviors when it starts to kind of um head up towards you know your five six seven. Um, kind of up there that's when we're looking at it actually having an effect on your quality of life so um, things that might be obvious to people are that they stop going out or kids that would eat um, even like at a uh, like a common restaurant like a fast food outlet as such um, might even stop doing that so they might stop having their hot chips or something like that that's pretty common and so when parents start to see restrictive behavior in their children that's starting to become kind of food allergy anxiety that needs to be or can be um, addressed and then in adults typically what will happen is that they might stop socializing Um, they start to get concerned about being on their own um, or even in the car um, driving on their own Um, they might not eat at the workplace even though you know they can Um, yeah so there's some examples
0: who is susceptible to allergy anxiety
2: yeah, look, this is a good question. Um, I think because you need to have a mild level of it anyway to to manage, and uh, I suppose it's probably helpful for me to clarify that. Um, anxiety is something that everybody has, um, and, you know, it will go up and down depending on what our life stresses are. But to manage a food allergy which is severe and life-threatening, you have to kind of have this vigilance level so yeah. um potentially anyone who um has a food allergy um or is the primary caregiver of a child with a food allergy could um have food allergy anxiety um and then obviously if you've got um so for mums that might have had Um, a history of anxiety prior to having their child, I would say that they're more susceptible to to developing food allergy anxiety.
0: You've touched on prior that allergy anxiety can also be felt by a mum of someone that has allergies or a carer. Does it present differently between uh, someone that has allergies and the carer?
2: Yeah, it's hard to it's a little bit hard to define but I suppose what we would see in a mum is the the fear is the same in terms of what they don't want is their child to have a severe allergic reaction. And so the fear is actually of the allergic reaction and the same is with the kid. It just is a little bit different as such for the mum. So they They might also restrict safe food, um, like particularly after an allergic reaction. They're worried that, um, you know, this food that they haven't had for a while might cause an allergic reaction, even even though logically they know that that actually hasn't happened. And that would be the same for a kid. So if they've had a recent allergic reaction, they can also restrict their safe food for the exact same reason that they don't want to have an allergic reaction. Yeah, so, yeah, it's actually, it actually is the same. The same cause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Ultimately, it's the fear of an allergic reaction. So that's kind of where, so as a individual and as a parent, we're managing day to day to avoid an allergic reaction and then the food allergy anxiety is restrictive behaviour to address the fear of a potential allergic reaction. Can allergy anxiety worsen in different times? Yes. So, look, um, yeah, great question. Um, So initially around that newly diagnosed um, stage, Um, it's quite anxiety-provoking for for parents and primary caregivers. What we find in individuals with um, food allergy is um, quite often what happens is a child has an initial allergic reaction when they're first diagnosed and then the family do an incredible job to actually reduce the likelihood of them having an allergic reaction. And it's not until, um, mostly, uh, it's an accidental exposure um, or a potentially new allergen um, where the child actually has a severe allergic reaction. Um, and that could be at four years or six or seven. Um, and then what we find is they're the referrals that we will get um, because what's happened then, uh, it's twofold. One, the parent is sent back to the original um, fear when they that initially felt when the child had a, their first reaction and then depending on the child's age, they are now aware of what their food allergy actually means.
0: Can allergy anxiety improve?
2: Yes, it's it's actually um one of the most um rewarding parts of the job. So um it absolutely can with the right um with the right therapy. How do you work with
0: people to improve allergy anxiety?
2: Yeah, so um I use two main therapies um so we use cognitive behavior therapy Uh, And in combination with um, graded exposure, Um, graded exposure um, essentially um, elicits a small amount of anxiety for people, but not enough that they avoid a situation. And so um, for people to understand what graded exposure is, most people will be familiar with flooding, which is when um, an individual, for example, might be um, scared of spiders. So it's phobia-based. And the flooding is what people have seen on TV where the person, you know, has to um, be, you know, flooded with like spiders in a box or something like that. Um, Graded exposure is um, like a ladder. And so it's small steps to, um, overcome a fear, um, and certainly anecdotally, um, for us at the hub, um, it's been really successful. Um, and yeah, it's, um, similarly used overseas to address food allergy anxiety. Um, in young people and adults, I also teach assertiveness so that they are, um, in a position where they're actually able to speak up about their food allergies and feel confident um, uh, in social situations um, and in the workplace, um, and then I also provide psychoeducation. But in terms of addressing the anxiety, it's um, CBT and graded exposure. Could you describe a
0: little bit about those little steps and yeah. sort of the comfort yeah. that you would provide? Yeah, that? absolutely.
2: Yeah. So, um, Earlier, I talked about the um, the scale zero to ten, and so kids are introduced to that um, even at six and seven. Um, and basically, what they're um, taught is that, um, or explained to, is that anxiety sits on that scale, um, and ten is you know panic um, and where they're likely to avoid things. And then um, you know your lower numbers, we teach them about where vigilance sits. Um, so for a, a young person you know was coming to me and i thought that they were um they had a lot of restrictive behavior i'd kind of first look at um, what kind of safe foods that they are avoiding because that's pretty typical um so and this and after an allergic reaction and so what what i do is i'll um set up a it's called a brave ladder for kids um so if you literally just imagine um zero to ten with um kind of like your rose going up Um, And I'll talk to them about what foods they previously were able to eat that were safe. Um, And what we do is we assign numbers to them. So they might say that, um, you know, like a a cracker was a three, um, but, you know, eating a parent's curry was a seven. Um, So what we would do is we'd go through with the parent um, a list of all the foods that they've been avoiding since the reaction um and then with the child um and they're very much able to do this um the reason why we use numbers is because it's actually easier to tell someone how you feel through number than it is through feeling um and kids really um are able to get um get that quite quickly um and then yeah so then what we do is basically we create this ladder that then the parents take away um and it's informed by the child Uh, And then they address that um, at home and sometimes you can attach a reward to it, but it's not always necessary and kids are quite motivated. They actually liked the food that they were eating before, but they, they are just worried that they're going to have an allergic reaction. And so what the ladder does is you start at the bottom and you just keep working up incrementally. But the small things that they've said at the bottom aren't going to elicit enough anxiety that they're not going to do it at all. And then the outcome is that once they've had the cracker, they don't have an allergic reaction. And so what that does is it reinforces that positive loop for them and then they go to the next step. It's really effective.
0: Thank you for describing it in in more detail. It's okay. How prevalent is allergy anxiety?
2: Yeah, look, that's a question that unfortunately we can't answer at the moment. Um, There really isn't enough research in it. Um, Some studies have kind of indicated um, that compared to the population of children without food allergies, it could be anywhere up at 56% of that food allergy population. Um, other studies have reported less. Um, yeah, it's really, we, we don't have a lot of research to, to go on. Um, we do know generally that anxiety is um, more prevalent in the population than it used to be before in terms of the general population. Um, but I think because there needs to be that kind of low level of anxiety anyway. Um, it, potentially there is um, a likelihood that it could be higher than the general population.
0: When should someone get professional help for allergy anxiety?
2: Yeah, look, that's a good question. Um, I think, look, at the at the more anxious end, it's when people are starting to realise that it's impacting on their quality of life. So what we actually talk to a lot of families about is you can achieve a really good quality of life with a child with a food allergy and or being an adult with a food allergy. Um, so we talk about what their quality of life looked like before their child had the food allergy and then we try and um, kind of navigate how we're going to get as close to that as possible. Um, so if you're not going out, you're not eating the foods that you once enjoyed, you um, and you're constantly feeling um, like you're not okay, Um, so either yourself or, you know, your child has started to engage in some behaviours that feel worrying, Um, that's definitely a time to seek help um however i suppose what monique and i are really conscious of is that you know prevention is is absolutely the way to go so if you um you know have had a recent diagnosis to to reach out so that you can actually get some skills um rather than having to to wait until it gets to a point where you know you do need kind of um more you know medium to long term intervention
0: What's the first step of getting help for algae anxiety?
2: Yeah, so um, obviously um, you can go to your um, GP um, and talk to them about your concerns. Um, You don't have to have a mental health care plan to access um, any psychologist um, and certainly to come to us, um, you know, you don't have to have a mental health care plan. Um, But, you know, in terms of it being... um, you know, more affordable, that, that makes it easier for people. So, yeah, generally your GP is your first um, port of call and then they can refer you out to to either us or a um, psychologist, yeah.
0: Once they get professional help, how quickly can you see improvements in allergy anxiety?
2: Yeah, so this is another exciting um, part of, of what we've seen at the HUB. Um, so if you look at um, – if you use the the 10 mental health care plan sessions as a bit of a guide, um, usually um, depending on the level of restriction and also the motivation of the individual, we can actually see um, improvement between three and six sessions, which is the first um, kind of part of the mental health care plan. Um, so in that initial um, block, we can start to see improvement um, depending on – yeah, as I said, the severity and how long the anxiety has been going on for, um, yeah, by session three we can start the brave ladder um, and the ladder is the same for adults as well um, with real, real um, improvement. In terms of the services that
0: you provide, mm-hmm. why did you start looking at those services for the community?
2: Yeah, so I suppose um, the reason why we started was because um, we wanted um, support for any individual and family members with um, touched by food allergy. Um, we didn't exclusively provide psychological intervention because not everybody needs it. We really wanted to be community-based um, and provide almost like a um, just a support service that people could call, that they would be heard that they would be validated with what they're experiencing um, and get appropriate um, kind of social and emotional support. So we appreciate that not everybody would need counselling and, and psychological intervention. Um, and so we just really wanted to be able to educate um, the community, the allergic um, or people with living with feed allergies um, and, and also provide also to provide a way for them to connect as well.
0: Was there a moment that you were proud of the work that you've done through Allergy Support Hub?
2: Yeah, look, I think it's actually been primarily the outcomes of, of, um, of clients for me. Um, we've had a lot of... Um, uh, I don't know, it's been a really positive impact for for individuals and families. Um, Mon and I have worked really hard in this space to kind of put food allergy, um, not on the map as such, but to highlight that it actually is a bit of a silent condition that, um, you know, you wouldn't even know that my child has food allergies he's a very well um and physically active young person and it is not actually until he has an allergic reaction that you you see him so unwell um so mm,
0: yeah if you met someone in the beginning of their allergy journey what would you say to them
2: Yeah, look, to mums, um, I would say that um, I see you and I know it's hard, um, but you're already doing an amazing job um, because you're the best mum um, for your child. Um, And I know that it might be hard to see now, but food allergy um, does not and will not define your child. Um, My son is now almost 12 uh he plays representative basketball um he's been on a tour with uh, to canberra with his um with a school group um he's attended multiple school camps successfully um yeah it it doesn't it doesn't define you and you can live a really good um have a really good quality of life that's gonna be okay <laughs>
0: Has the way that you managed his allergies or the way he managed his allergies changed over time?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, one of the hardest things when you've got an infant with a food allergy is that you're, because you're the primary caregiver and because of their developmental stage, you are completely responsible for it. Um, day in and day out. As your child gets older, um, they actually need to have a level of education about what their food allergy is, um, what medication they need to take. Um, And we started that very early with Sam. He was fully aware of um, his food allergies and what they meant what safe food and unsafe food was, um, and mainly because we feel that knowledge is power um, and he needed to have a full handle on what that meant for him and his sibling, um, his younger brother was educated um, as well. Um, Now that he's almost a teenager and he's transitioning to year seven, um, I'm sure that will come with its own challenges. Um, As a preteen, it already has. Um, but it's, um, you know, kind of points and junctures where you, you know, sit down with your child and you talk to them about, um, you know, eating safely and when he's on his own. Um, Yeah, so there's certainly points of transition that um, as a young person, you know, kind of um, grows up that it requires, um, you know, an additional kind of level of education around the management of their food allergy because ultimately they're going to manage it on their own as an adult.
0: What is the most common age that you see at the allergy support hub?
2: Yeah, I thought this, this was an interesting question. Um, we don't actually have an average kind of age that we see, I suppose. Um, in primary school, mainly it's um, children between six and eight. Um, And then the next group tend to be around that transition age, so kids that are actually transitioning from Year 6 to 7, so between 11 and 13. Um, And then the next group of kids that I usually see are are that actual transition out of high school, so you're 17, 18, and then young adults um, at university um, who, you know, could be adjusting to living out of home, uh, living on campus, Um, Yeah, so that's kind of like the kid cohort and then usually the adults that I see have a late-onset diagnosis of food food allergy
0: or a parent. It sounds like there's a lot of different changes and evolutions in allergy anxiety and allergies and mental health.
2: Yes, um, that is correct. Um, And, yeah, so certainly um, that's why we're working hard to um, put mental health um, I suppose in that allergy space Um, and we've certainly worked very hard in WA to um, to educate the allergists and immunologists about what that looks like in their patients Um, and we've been quite successful we we now get referrals where um, the allergists are actually in in their referrals saying that they think that their patient is experiencing anxiety and that they'd like to get that addressed because what Um, What we also do is actually help people overcome um, the parts of the allergy journey. So, for instance, um, many families have to engage in food challenges, which are incredibly anxiety-provoking, and so I do a lot of work around that um, to help families actually get to the appointments so they're at least attempting it because that potentially um, could have a huge positive impact on on their quality of life. As you're based in
0: WA, do you provide services across
2: Australia? Yes, we do. Um, So in Perth we provide, um, obviously have the capacity to provide face-to-face support, um, but because of telehealth, we're now able to provide um, those services um, all around Australia um, and I would actually say that probably about 50% of my caseload are interstate clients.
0: That's fantastic that you can assist people across Australia.
2: Yeah, it's it's been amazing. Where can people learn more about Allergy Support Hub? Yeah, so we have a website, um, Uh We're also on Facebook um, and on Instagram. If you're West Australian, um, through our Facebook page, we actually have a closed um, community group. Um, we're quite remote here in WA and so we really wanted a a platform for um, people in Western Australia to be able to connect with other um, families and so that's, um, yeah, that's a possibility for people as well. Is there
0: anything else that you would like to tell someone with allergies or the community with allergies, Emma?
2: Um, Look, I suppose, um, look, we... um, we see you, and um, we understand um, what's going on for you. Um, Monique and I um, at the Hub we're we're trying to do a lot with um, the peak body around um, putting you know mental health and psychology in that space. Um, it's really important that you're advocating for yourself. A lot of people that I see are worried that they're going to put people out when they speak up about their food food allergies. And so that's why I do a lot of assertiveness, um, you know, training with the people that I see and, and mums. Um, you're not putting people out, it's your um it's actually your life at the end of the day. Um and there are ways to do it though. Um so yeah, I think being an advocate for yourself and for your child is really important. Speaking up when you feel like you need to and you have to. Um and I think one of the other messages, too, is um, for, for kids in particular, um, you know, if they don't feel safe, it's okay for them not to, to eat something um, in particular. And parents really need to be um, kind of mindful of that, that their kids are kind of developing those skills over time to manage their food allergies. Um, and so we really need to listen to them when they're not feeling okay.
0: Thank you so much for joining Talking Allergies today, Emma. I very much appreciate learning about your story with Sam and the allergy ang- and allergy anxiety and how you
1: assist with that.
2: Thank you so much, Grace. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: What an insightful interview. Um, thank you, Emma, for joining us on Talking Allergies. You know, really, really appreciate listening to not just how you help people through mental health and allergies, but also you know, the kind of solutions that are out there. It's really good to know that there are things that you can use, things that you can work through to help you. And I think the more support we have out there, the better. Um, so thank you, Emma. Um, Emma's from the Allergy Support Hub. So if you look them up, Allergy Support Hub. And we'll also drop a note at the bottom of this episode for people to find out more.
0: They've done a really good job in advocating for allergies and mental health. And it's really important to know that it's okay that especially if you have allergies but also mental health in general, that if you are experiencing any issues, to reach out, to go to your GP, to go to others in the industry and reach out and go, actually, I'm not dealing so well. Go to support groups. There's a lot out there for you. Um, But just to know it's okay.
1: Yeah, you're right, Grace. We should talk about our mental health when it comes to allergies and in life in general. But when, when allergies come into play, you know, if you're going through certain specific challenges, find your comfort with who to speak to, whether it's a friend, a family member, partner, colleague, classmate, or a professional. Um, or if you go to an, a support group and you meet others that, you know, you can just talk about it or even listen to other people and then slowly talk about it. Whatever works for you, find that comfort. Um, but the help is out there.
0: It is. That wraps up today's episode, but we're definitely not finishing our discussion on mental health and allergies. We've got a few episodes coming up also talking about it, but thank you so much for today.
1: Thank you for joining us. The discussions on talking allergies are here to support you or your loved one on your journey with allergies. The topics discussed here are not intended as medical instruction or as a substitute for advice by a qualified healthcare provider.